Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast, a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we can produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and all other podcast platforms. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at podmania.co.uk. Let's do this. Welcome to another episode of the Podmania Podcast, episode 101. I am your host, Rob Good, and I am joined by the man who rocks out that much. He puts his back out. It is Garth Jackson. How are you, my friend? <laughs> I'm all right. I'm recovered now. I'm getting a bit old for the rock and roll game. <laughs> <laughs> Garth tried to put this off about carrying the equipment was the reason that he put his back out. But we all know that the reason you put your back out was because you were rocking out too hard playing Oasis. And that's perfectly reasonable. Perfectly reasonable. Um, I'll take that. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, as you will notice, we have not been joined by Chris today. Chris apparently has too much of a social life to do the podcast tonight. Um, he's at a gig. We don't know who he's seeing, but don't worry, he'll be Dr. Week's wages. Um, so don't worry about that. But we have I think got... it was Little Mix. I believe it was Little Mix. Something, yeah, something about Ariana Grande, I believe. Um, if you've ever seen Chris, you will know that straight away he is not an Ariana Grande fan. So uh, <laughs> we've got loads to talk about today, ladies and gentlemen. We've got the Ring Rope Roundup, which will be absolutely chocker full of news. And I'm really glad we've left the podcast on Monday because we've got even more to announce today. We'll be going through the WWE shows from last week, which saw NXT call-ups. And oh, we'll be talking about those. And we'll also <laughs> preview Raw and especially SmackDown this week as well. We'll be talking about the three New Japan shows from this week, New Japan Road and the two on a rising shows. Garth will be giving us his views on the impact showing that included another match between the Lucha Brothers and LAX. And we will also be giving our matches of the week and introducing a fun new little segment, courtesy of Mr. Garth Jackson. <laughs> yeah. We, exactly. Be excited, people. Get pumped. Right. But before all that, Garth, before all that, do you know what time is? Is it time for the news? <laughs> Mate, it is time for the Ring Road Roundup. Cue the music. Ring Road Roundup, ladies and gentlemen. So, to start with, TJP, Ty Dillinger and Hideo Itami were all released on what people are calling Black Friday, with Arn Anderson released on Thursday. More on this we will talk about later. Bruce Pritchard has been signed back to the WWE creative team and will preside over tonight's Raw as his first official show. Sticking with Raw, Roman Reigns will make his first appearance on Raw since his announcement of leukemia tonight to give an update on his health. Matches have been announced for tomorrow night's SmackDown, including Ricochet and Alistair Black taking on Rusev and Shinsuke Nakamura. And also, we have got Johnny Gargano 
taking on Cesaro. Speaking of Alistair Black, he has been reported as saying his goodbyes on the NXT house show circuit after his main roster call-up, and oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> there have been injuries to Mark Andrews, Noam Dar, and Drew McIntyre on the house show circuit, with McIntyre and Andrews reported to be not too serious. However, Noam Dar is reporting back to America to have his knee seen to by specialists. Anyone that listens or watches to NXT UK, can you please just skip ahead because there are spoilers in this next piece of news. Viper and Ilya Dragunov debuted in the latest set of tapings from Coventry and there was an announcement that Pete Dunne and Walter will compete for the NXT UK Championship at NXT TakeOver New York. AEW announced more matches for Double or Nothing, with the Young Bucks challenging the Lucha Brothers, and a triple threat being announced between Kylie Ray, Britt Baker, and Nyla Rose, as well as the return of the over-budget Battle Royale. Impact Wrestling have announced the signings of Austin Theory and the terrifying Canadian strong-style wrestler Josh Alexander. Just a little side note, Alexander will be appearing on the Irish Whip podcast, so please go and check that out and keep an eye out for that. Going to New Japan Pro Wrestling now, they have announced the full card for their 46th anniversary show on the 6th of March and have announced all of the competitors to take place in the 2019 New Japan Cup. We will be looking at that later on. Former NXT superstar and member of the Mighty Don't Kneel, Nick Miller, has seemingly signed for New Japan as a member of the Stable Chaos. He will be one of the 32 men taking part in the New Japan Cup. David Finlay Jr. has taken to Twitter to announce he did in fact dislocate his shoulder in Finn Juice's main event against the Briscoes on a rising night too, which certainly explains the rushed finish to what was a very, very enjoyable Ring of Honor tag team title match. Keeping with titles, and then a title versus title match has been announced for the G1 Supercard show in April, with the IWGP Tag Team Champions Gorillas of Destiny taking on the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions the Briscoes, with the winner taking both belts. Sticking with Ring of Honor, a rematch for the Women of Honor Championship between current champion Mayu Iwatami and former champion Kelly Klein has been announced for Ring of Honor's 17th anniversary show in Las Vegas. To All Japan Pro Wrestling now and the announcement of the blocks for this year's Champion Carnival, their version of the G1 Climax, which starts on the April the 4th and runs through till April 29th. Block A has got Kento Miyahara, Kengo Mashimo, Yuma Ayoga, Zeus, Gianni Valletta, Ryoji Sai, Dylan James, Suji Ishikawa and Yuji Akabayashi. Block B has got Joe Dering, Jake Lee, Nayo Nomura, Yoshitatsu, Daichi Hashimoto, Sam Adonis, Suwami, Takashi Yoshida and Joel Redman. And finally, double X, WXW now, Walter vs. David Starr, Phoenix vs. Ray Horace, Axel Dieter Jr. vs. Maris Al-Ani, Pentagon Jr. vs. Mark Davis, Timothy Thatcher vs. Lucky Kid, Ilya Dragunov vs. Daisuke Sakimoto, Chris Brooks vs. Shigeru Iri, and Jern Simmons versus Avalanche in a Falls Count Anywhere match are the first round matches in this year's WXW 16 Karat Gold Tournament. The tournament is taking place from March 8th to March the 10th with those first round matches happening on the first night. And Garth, that is the news. That was a long one. <laughs> I mean, I think it's fair to say that this has been a fairly news-laden week. Yeah, um, there has been a lot to talk about. Um, now, is there anything in particular that you want to talk about first, Garth? Um, I suppose I best start with the big one that everyone's talking about. 
the releases. The releases. The call-ups. Well, let's start with the releases, as that is the more... The newer news, let's say. I will just say as well that I know I said it was the 46th anniversary of New Japan. It's the 47th. I apologise. Um, yeah, so there's been some more information released. Ty Dillinger and Hideo Itami had asked for their release prior and seemingly have been granted it. Um, I imagine Hideo Itami will be making his return to Noah, where he was pretty much a legend as Kenta. Mm-hmm. Um, he was horrifically misused in the WWE, and unfortunately, especially in NXT, he was rife with injuries. Um, and just every time he seemed to get any manner of push, just seemed to get injured, didn't he? Yeah. Was um, it was it his shoulder each, like a couple of times? I think it was his shoulder. I think his knee gave out as well. He's he's been very very unlucky. Um, I mean, I remember one takeover match. I think possibly two. He came um, in and did had that like sort of mini. So was it one of the battle royals at WrestleMania a few years ago? Maybe, maybe he came in and like thought he was going to win it. Actually, and that seemed to be like, oh, is he going to get his push now? Yeah, and then he got injured. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I remember when he was in NXT. I mean, I don't watch Two Hundred Five Live. I understand, you know, I'll dip in and out, and I understand that their product is possibly one of the better ones on the WWE Network. Um, but with all the wrestling we watch, I just simply don't have time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, on 205 Live, there wasn't the buzz about him that there should have been. And I do attribute part of that to the injuries that he sustained and the fact that he's just, he's, you know, he's not going to get a push if he keeps getting injured. It's, you know, there's been wrestlers throughout time that haven't got the pushes because of injuries. Yeah. Um, you know, but of his NXT run, I remember his feud with Cassius Ono. And I believe he challenged Alistair Black at one point on one of the takeovers. Um, mm-hmm. And I know he challenged for the title, I think, against Bobby Roode, maybe. Um, but again, he could have he could have been so much more, and unfortunately, he wasn't. And hopefully, fingers crossed, he will be far better in Japan than he ever was in the WWE because he does deserve it. Yeah. Um, Ty Dillinger, uh, <laughs> he asked. I think he's gone about it completely the right way. You know, when he when he asked for his release, he sent out a little statement on his Twitter <clears throat> saying that before all the rumours start, I have asked for my release. I just want to say thank you. And he listed off thank yous to all the people in the WWE. And he seems to have... I think that's part of the reason he's been rewarded his release. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah. he did do it in such an amicable way. And the man's 38. He's not young. He's been, you know, he's the man that was super kicked by Shawn Michaels in that fantastic bit where about <laughs> controversy. He's Stan. And that was what, 2008, 2009? Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's he's been there for a long time. I think he was bought up from NXT too early. Um, I think the chant, unfortunately, though it was his best friend in some ways, that whole 10 thing, I think in yeah. other ways it was his downfall because similar to Bobby Roode, it was the chant that was over I was rather yeah, it was than like, him. It was the gimmick rather than... It was the the gimmick surrounding him rather than the stuff going on in the ring. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's not to say that Ty Dillinger can't go. You know, the matches that he's seen have been solid and he had a fantastic match against Shinsuke Nakamura on SmackDown. Yeah. But, you know, and I know he's been injured, but how many times has he been featured on SmackDown? Genuinely. I honestly can't remember. I remember, I remember him coming out the first couple of times and then... Nothing. Exactly. Nothing all. So the, the the worst part about it is he's got a totally like class entrance music. 
He has. I love his entrance music. But we just never heard it. <laughs> the the, the rumour is he's gone to AEW because he's quite close with Cody still. That is the rumour. And though, you used, know... Used to be sort of tag teams in, was it FCW? Maybe, maybe. I think Cody has come out very recently. And I think it was probably this story that prompted him to come out and say, we are not WWE light. Yeah. You know, we're not the place where all ex-WWE talent is going to go. You know, you'd be stupid to boycott all WWE talent. You'd be stupid to. They're, they're established names. As long as you don't WCW it and bring in everyone. You know, you don't TNA, TNA. Exactly. <laughs> you don't TNA it and bring everyone in and push them immediately towards the title. But, you know, a man like Ty Dillinger, he's good in the ring. He's a solid competitor. If he's friends with Cody, then that would make the most sense. Some of the people that have been rumoured for AEW are absolutely fucking ridiculous. Yeah. I think that when it's constant big names, you think there's only so there's only so many that can fill that slot. They yeah. need to start they do need to start bringing in people to further down the card. They which do. he probably would fit somewhere in the mid card. He'd be a mid carder, absolutely. There's no yeah. way Ty Dillinger is going to be your AEW World Heavyweight oh, Champion. No. When you Definitely look at who not. they've got already, Pac, Adam Page, um, you've got Kenny Omega, you know, everyone from, you know, even Cody, Chris Jericho, he's he's mm-hmm. not of that calibre. You know, I could no. be wrong. It might just be the fact that he hasn't been pushed. He might be able to go with Kenny Omega. Who knows? And obviously, this is pure speculation, though his 90-day non-compete clause does run out, I believe, two days before Double or Nothing. So, wow. we'll see. We might see him in the Battle Royale. Who knows? <laughs> uh, the last one was TJP. Um, this one was more of a shock. Um, but Dave Meltzer has reported that it was basically his attitude backstage. Um, and yeah, I was... Go on. heard that in a couple of times, sort of. I just think, I don't even know where he gets the sort of attitude from. I don't know. It's, it, is it a false sense of entitlement? I mean, he was the inaugural of, of this era of the Cruiserweights. He was yeah. the inaugural champion of the purple, the purple era, let's call it. Um, but, you know, since he wasn't champion or since he lost the belt, ultimately, he... I, couldn't name your match he's had. I know he aligned himself with Neville when Neville came back. Mm. That ultimately amounted to nothing. I was watching the Cultaholic News video earlier today and, you know, there have been rumours that it was because of his brand new tattoos <laughs> that he's been, re- you know, he's been released because of, you know, you can't just go changing your appearance because of, you know, basically willy-nilly because of merchandising and things like that, which is fair enough, yeah. but TJP has taken to Twitter and said, well, the Boston seemed to mind when I asked him six months ago if I could get them, and he seems to like them when he saw me the other day. So I see, I've got, and this is pure speculation again, there's been nothing confirmed, there's been nothing released by the WWE, obviously, and there's been nothing said by TJP, but I think it goes to show, and this is from Cultaholic, and it was a fantastic point, so many people, when Hideo Itami was released, and you know, when Hideo Itami, it was announced that Hideo Itami had asked for his release, so many people said about Hideo Itami, fantastic bloke, going to miss him, brilliant bloke. Have you seen anyone come out about TJP? Nope, nothing. I think that says everything. Yeah. Um, The other one was Arn Anderson. Now, obviously Arn Anderson, long, long since a (laughs) a ring-ring competitor. Um, But he has been working backstage as a producer, and he has been working as a producer since the invasion. So that is 2001. Now... 
Apparently, this was an actual firing. Um, Meltzer has reported that there was basically something has gone down between Arn Anderson and Vince. And this has led ultimately to Arn Anderson's release. Yeah. Now, something to do with something going wrong at a show. And Arn Anderson basically took the blame for it. Yeah, I heard this. Didn't he say, I take sole responsibility yeah. and basically he's been fired for it? But I, I think, think there have been other things that have led up to it as well. Yeah, I was, was going to say, from what I've been reading sort of from the past and stuff, it's it looks like Vince has been looking for a reason to get rid of him for a while. Now, from what I've read, Arn Anderson, he had a tremendous amount of respect backstage. Um, again, another one who's released and just an influx of people saying about how funny he was and how much respect mm-hmm. they've got for the bloke. Um, rumour has it that if John Cena was working a full-time schedule Arn Anderson was pretty much his producer he would produce the matches for John Cena Um, and again, Cultaholics news video um, they said that basically because John Cena isn't working a full-time schedule anymore they don't really need Arn Anderson now I think that's a sad state of affairs Um, but as the WWE apparently are completely just infatuated with the TNA product that they've modelled their entire creative staff on it mm-hmm. um, with the hiring of Bruce, uh, the rehiring, should I say, of Bruce Pritchard. Um, it's it's a shame to see Arn Anderson go, though I would love, love to see Arn Anderson give Vince McMahon a spine buster, but that's not <laughs> going to happen. Um, but yes, it's unfortunate to see these people go. Uh, TJP, I don't think we'll see in All Elite, I think. He would nah. be a perfect fit. Me and Chris were talking about this when the releases were announced. He would be a perfect fit for the best of the Super Juniors. Yeah. You know, that is coming up in May. His non-compete clause will be up by then. So, you know, and, you know, irrelevant of what is going on backstage or may not be going on backstage, obviously we don't know. He is a fantastic in-ring competitor. You know, you can't take that away from him. He's oh, nice. a charisma vacuum. Yeah. That's why I think that's why he worked under the mask quite well. When he was like, suicide manic, um, and he did have he did have some stuff going on with Sonata when he was in TNA. I'm not saying no to a match between TJP and Sonata. Um, Will Osprey put a tweet <laughs> out. Um, I don't know if you saw it. It was literally. I did. <laughs> hey Meg. Hey at Mega TJP, and it, Twitter exploded. It was like right. fucking hell yes. <laughs> Um, I would love to see that match, Osprey versus uh, TJP. That would be absolutely yeah. fantastic. Um, spe- staying with the WWE for a moment, um, the NXT call-ups, Garth. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a couple of reasons that I absolutely hate this. Um, on Monday, it was announced that backstage were basically the four top guys, the four top guys of NXT. Tommaso Ciampa, Alistair Black, Ricochet and Johnny Gargano. Now, at the time, at the time, two of those men were NXT's top champions. Yeah. Now, having just called up EC3, Heavy <laughs> Machinery, Lacey Evans, um, who else have they called up? Um, I'm sure there are more, but that goes to show how you know how little they've been used. Oh, Nikki Cross, who's been just mired in just a ridiculous team with Alicia Fox. But A, they clearly didn't have a plan for these people because it was widely reported that Raw was written basically on the fly 
Yeah. Um, at one point, Vince wanted Ricochet versus um, Finn Balor, which <laughs> would have been fantastic, but Triple H pointed out quite reasonably, well, yeah, but one of them's got to lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't have Ricochet lose on his debut, and also you can't have Finn Balor, who has literally just won the title the night before. You cannot have him lose. Now, this leads to another interesting thing. I don't know if you've seen this, Garth, about there being this dynamic between Triple H and Vince that Vince wants these people to basically, if Triple H is building them up, Vince wants to see them fail. Fucking hell. And basically, he puts them in at the deep end to see if they can fight their way out. Now, if that is if that is the the view backstage, what fucking hope have these people got? Well, it's that. Plus, it's like it is a classic case of cutting your nose off to spite your face because surely, as a businessman, Vince wants his company to do well. So why would you try to bury your own talent because what for an ego trick trip? Is that what it is? Um, when I first saw when I first saw the, the 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 worst part about it was they announced it. So this is straight away you think right. They're totally scrambling now. They're, they're desperate because normally you wouldn't announce this sort of thing. It would be a surprise. And then the fact that you announced four of the top people from that brand and you're thinking, well, and rumour has it, Triple H didn't know anything about it. Um, and you just think, well, these people are carrying titles in NXT, so what What does this do for TakeOver? How do you... How do people get invested when you know that they're going to lose those titles? Not only uh, that, but they've brought Tommaso Ciampa up as a face. They've teamed DIY back up again, which yeah. just goes to show that there's no storyline continuity at all. Um, I, just, I, d- I don't understand. I mean, they put Rick, they put Alistair Black in a match with Elias on Raw, and it was fucking awful. Mm-hmm. It was really, really poor, and the re- uh, the reasoning was Alistair Black had never worked with Elias, so the- there was a thought then that basically for SmackDown they thought we need to have Alistair Black have a good match here. We need someone that he's yeah. worked with, so they chose Andrade, and it was an absolutely outstanding match, really, really good match. But the idea that we are now, I mean, this is aside from NXT now, which is that anemic on male talent. I mean, you've got if you look at assuming those four are going to be on the main roster as well as NXT. You take those four out, because as I, yep. as I said in the Ringer at Roundup, Alistair Black is already saying his goodbyes. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, what has he got left to do in, um, in nah, NXT, he's, really? Yeah, he's, 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 done, exactly. he's done what he needs to do. Exactly, but we've got Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, Adam Cole in the Undisputed Era, and the Velveteen yep. Dream. Yep. That's pretty much it. <laughs> I mean, Lars Sullivan is MIA because you know there's reports that he's got this. He's had this horrific anxiety attack. There's rumours that that apparently didn't happen. You know, whatever. I hope he gets better soon. But he's another one that's missing. Oh, he was the other NXT call up. That's why I forgot him. Um, I mean, they've got they've got Punishment Martinez to come in at some point. But yeah. then, when? <laughs> Yeah, when um, I just plus the, the first thing that I thought, I mean, I watched the, the clips and things on YouTube, and a lot of a lot of people commented on the fact that 
the crowd were really sort of pretty much dead on them. It's like, yeah, well, probably 75 to 80% of the people in that crowd will have no idea who Alistair Black is. Why should they be bothered that he's turning up? Even so, the Lafayette crowd from Monday were fucking atrocious. Well, I heard, I. But it's like, you have to, you have to get, you have to feed the people something for them to be anticipated. I mean, remember when the 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 Wyatts debuted? They'd been vignettes and stuff for weeks and weeks, which everybody was had no idea what it was. And then when they did debut, it was like, right, okay. It was exciting for the people who followed them in NXT, NXT yeah. but it was just as exciting for the people who hadn't because there was this new mysterious sort of stable. And it just... I think Alistair Black would be absolutely perfect for that same treatment. You have the mysterious videos and just pictures of him doing his training and stuff, or just pictures of him sitting surrounded with candles and in a dark room and all that sort of stuff. But there's none of that, and now they can't get that back. They can't get the surprise back. I feel like they've spaffed it up the wall. Totally. Um... And it's, it's, it's classic. It's, it's Well, it's like... It's all been all over the internet. It's classic Vince. Yeah. Talk about shooting your load. I mean, we all, what, six weeks away from Mania? Yeah. Um, Why not just work with the talent you've got? I mean, Lacey Evans has been bought up, and she's apparently the next top person after Becky, which is just alarming, considering she's been on the main roster for, what, <laughs> three weeks? Her showing at the Royal Rumble was awful. Um, and there was rumours that... Um, she was to be put into the title picture on SmackDown with Asuka at Mania, which I I don't mind Lacey Evans. I think she's a good worker, but fucking hell, she is not ready for that at all. No. And, you know, we put it on Twitter, um, or I did anyway, um, and people were like, no, I like Lacey Evans. That's not what I'm saying. I don't mind Lacey Evans. I think she's good. I like a gimmick. It makes me laugh. But she's not ready. <clears throat> Literally, just... she hasn't worked a match, and then to put her in the title picture at Mania, you're taking the piss. It's just, and you think, I mean, in this, and especially in this sort of, in the wake of this sort of spate of people wanting to leave or asking for their release or being released, they've got an almost full locker room where Vince is basically turning around to say to them, you're not good enough anymore. I need new people in. And you just think, you've got the likes of Rusev sitting there doing absolutely nothing who could easily carry up a mid card or even well we don't know title because he, he, he can work heel as a sort of badass heel he can work like a comedy he can, he can do the whole thing everybody loves him that Rusev Day thing was over like anything and it's like Vince has just done the whole right let's reset <laughs> I think as well it's that case of you got yourself over we didn't want you to get over mm-hmm. You got yourself over. You know, Zack Ryder was the exact same. Dolph Ziggler was the exact same. Daniel Bryan as well. Daniel Bryan for so, so long. You know, you got yourself over. We didn't want you to get over. We want to push these guys. And then the guys that they're pushing get this unfair hatred. I mean, look at Roman Reigns. He was booed to shit. Was it his fault? Absolutely not. No. He's a solid in-ring competitor. I mean, he's he's nothing world-class, but he he was fed shit. He's fed shit. And hopefully, I mean, there's been wild rumours that there's going to be a new creative reset on Raw, but we were promised that when the McMahon's walked out and all we've had is, is we've just had more Vince. That That's not a creative reset. 
I mean, SmackDown's fine. It leaves SmackDown as it is. You need more sanity on SmackDown because <laughs> it's absolutely bewildering that we've not got sanity. Hopefully, well, there's another one. There's exactly. another call up where you just they've literally got a roster of NXT call ups doing nothing. But then, but then there's rumours that you know they're not pushing Kevin Owens because of his weight. They're not pushing Killian Dane because of his weight. I'm sorry, you had Yokozuna as your fucking champion. Exactly. And you had Earthquake. Nobody... Yeah. It, it, I, I don't understand how you can possibly have a company that basically just completely rewrites its own history on a whim. I just... I mean, this is obviously... This has been like a hot topic for the for the week now. And everybody seems to have the same sort of take on it. Like, bewilderment. But then... I mean, you can sort of see from the other side that some people's opinions is, like, is it not just maybe a, a sort of short spotlight on them for them to go back to NXT to then when they do come up, people remember them? Then I think, but the, was it that memorable? I mean, I've, I've, got, I've got friends who literally just watch SmackDown and Raw and... I've taught them quite regularly on the messages and one of my friends said, I quite like this guy who comes up um, on the ramp. Like he sits up. Means Alistair Black. Yeah, and I says, oh, Alistair Black. He's like, oh, I I quite like him. Um, He didn't even know the name because they hadn't even really given anything. They'd literally just said, look who's coming tonight and Mm -hmm. look, we're going to throw him into matches. Either don't announce it and let you just have them run in or... Announce it properly. And then you've got Michael Cole describing Alistair Black as if he was some sort of moody teenage emo kid. <laughs> Cole's a fucking idiot. It was like, and obviously this is given to him to say, and they kept on going over and over all the time. And it's just like, fucking hell, you're going you're gonna to kill the character, the actual character of him. At least, like, Maro on thingy screams and shouts a bit, but at least he doesn't sort of overdo the the corporate side of it. Yeah. Well, and this is, this. you know, I think we should make this the last note on this, otherwise we could literally rant about this for hours <laughs> cool. and hours and hours, I'm sure. The, the one thing I want to take from this is that on NXT this week, Johnny Gargano dropped the NXT North American Championship to mm-hmm. the Velveteen Dream. Brilliant that the Dream has got a championship. But then, and again, if you don't want to hear the spoilers for some of the NXT tapings, then please skip ahead maybe um, two, three minutes and you could get to the New Japan stuff. Um, Okay. And that'll be enough time. So, Mm -hmm. in the NXT tapings, Tommaso Ciampa was challenged for the NXT Championship at NXT New York. Who challenged him? Johnny Gargano. Yeah. So irrelevant of who wins that match, some one of them is still going to be the NXT champion appearing on the main roster. Yeah. Now that's just mind-boggling. If you're going to call them up, call them fucking up. Don't do this fucking thing where they're basically trying out for Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. It's like it's the sort of in between. Yeah. Exactly. Because you are completely ruining the sparkle that these four guys have, and these four guys, more than Heavy Machinery, more than um, EC3, more than Lacey Evans, more than Lars Sullivan, and more than um, Nikki Cross, these are your biggest stars of NXT. 
when Ricochet signed for NXT, it was fucking enormous. And this, and this is my final point on it, this makes me fucking panic for what they're going to do with the Undisputed Era when they come up. Well, I just think with the, the whole Ricochet thing as well, Vince is going to look at him and go, no, nah, you're not doing any of that stuff. It's too dangerous. You're going to get injured. Well, I mean, they flips, may... out, f- flips out the ring and stuff like that. No chance. <laughs> I mean, there was something that was said. Um, I, can't, I, I was listening to a podcast on it. I can't remember what it was. And there was something that was said that Ricochet in NXT didn't hit the 630 cent on for ages and ages and ages. Mm-hmm. Because basically they wanted it to. And on SmackDown, he hit it straight away. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, that's up the wall as well. I mean, obviously, you've got to boost excitement, having literally just decided you're going to promote them. But it's just ridiculous. I mean, I think it is time, and this has been said for ages, I think it is time that NXT is basically its own brand because, I mean, most of the people on NXT, you know, it's it's booked better, it's written better. It helps that it's only an hour for a start and that, you know, pay-per-views aren't every single month, so they're running pithy storylines. I mean, pithy storyline number one, for example, on SmackDown, Mandy Rose is challenging for the SmackDown Women's Championship. So, <laughs> you know, at Fastlane. So, you know, but, you know, WWE, that's that in a nutshell. I'm sure we'll have more clarity, <laughs> lol, you know, after this week. So we'll see. We'll see. Obviously, on Raw tonight, uh, Roman Reigns, I'm only going to speak a little bit about this because so- something about this has really got my back up. Um, Roman Reigns is appearing tonight on Raw, uh, basically to talk about his leukemia and to talk about, basically give us an update on his health. And yeah. there are some people who've said that A, that's a ratings grab, and B, there are still people who are assuming that Roman Reigns is faking it. Fucking hell. Or basically that this is some manner of wide storyline. A, how dare you be so disrespectful? Can you imagine the PR hit if anyone found out that the WWE were lying about it? And B, why would anyone lie about that? Leukemia is a disease that physically kills people. Leukemia is a disease that affects so many families. How can you be so naive that the WWE would use that? Yes, they've used some absolute fucking tripe in their time. They would not go like that because the PR, you would not be able to come back from that. The first thing you have to realise straight away is it's a TV show. And how often do TV shows ever, ever use their actors' real names? And straight away they use his full real name. The only time I've ever known anything like that was the Mark Henry retirement speech. Mm-hmm. But that's a retirement speech. That's yeah. not a physical ailment. That's not an illness. They've never had anyone come out and say, I've got, you know, a, a form of cancer. You know, you know, just kidding, I just wanted to get over. No, I'm sorry, that's ridiculous. And the idea that this is a ratings grab, has no one assumed that Roman actually wants to come back? Because he doesn't want to... He just doesn't want to just sit at home thinking, I've got leukaemia and I can't do anything. Plus, I bet any money, WWE are getting so much mail from, like, kids and fans saying, how's Roman? What's he doing? Well, we've had nothing. We've had nothing. We've had no update. There's a couple of fan picks who've said, oh, I've seen Roman at the gym today. He's looking well. Well, good. That's fantastic. There was was something where he showed up on some kids' TV show, like a tiny little sort of cameo he made on it. Oh, on Nickelodeon, yeah. Some dickheads on the comments saying, look at him, he's fine. How would you be able to do that if you had leukaemia? It's like, it's a fucking... I think, did he like, does he bend a... A pole or something. He yeah, does, he does something. something. Like it's a piece, it's a gimmick piece of fucking prop, and it's not like he's on his deathbed. He's still well enough to do that sort of stuff. But 
How the like if he didn't do stuff, he would go absolutely stir crazy. Exactly, and that's the thing. The worst thing you can possibly do, and at no point has it ever said that this is terminal. No. And I hope to God it's not, because no one should ever go through that. The thing is, but, on the other hand, if if he turned up at Raw and he'd lost a shit ton of weight and he'd been sitting around doing nothing, the same fans would be saying, look at him, feeling sorry for himself, sitting around doing nothing. So exactly. Can't win. Do you know what? These fans can fuck off. I'm sorry, yeah. they're not fans. They're just people who enjoy... <laughs> they're just keyboard warriors that enjoy moaning about things. I'm sorry, but the w, those people that think this is a work and that Roman and the WWE are using this as some manner of storyline, you're stupid. Though, the pop he's going to get when he comes back is going to be astro-fucking-nomical. It's going to be incredible. Yeah. Anyway, moving on to New Japan news, I did <laughs> announce that... Sorry, rant over. Um, <laughs> you know, leukemia is something that's affected everyone. I'm sorry, I'm not having people saying that people are faking it. It's just, it's too sore a subject. Um, so, talking about New Japan now. Now, it's been a very, very busy week in New Japan. Uh, we had the Honor Rising shows and we had the New Japan Road show, which I'll get into in a moment, sort of... Uh, review those but we've got matches a full card in fact announced for the 47th anniversary it was 46th last year when Okada met Osprey in the final uh, sorry in the main event um this year's card has been announced and aside from some tag matches the main highlights are the IWGP Junior Tag Championship match between uh, Rapongi 3K and LIJ, Shingo and Bushi. We've also got the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match between Ishimori and Liger. We've then got a six-man tag, a special six-man tag is how it's billed, with Tanahashi, Okada and Goto taking on Sonada, Evil and Naito. Now, that has got the makings of being an outstanding match. However, the main event is an anniversary day special singles match. Now, no titles are on the line, but this the main event has been announced as the never-open-weight champion Will Ospreay taking on the IWGP heavyweight champion Jay White. Be good. <laughs> now, that is going to be an absolutely outstanding match. Now, Ospreay has been built stupidly, stupidly strong. Over the last yeah. couple of days, over the last couple of days in, in the New Japan, uh, sorry, New Japan Road shows and the Honor Rising shows, he has been built extremely strong to the point where they've talked about him being on the cusp of heavyweight from junior from junior heavyweight, so he can still be in the best of super juniors and he can still be in um, the the G One. They've also had him hit the Stormbreaker on Jeff Cobb. Now Jeff <laughs> Cobb is not just a head- exactly. They're going all in on Osprey. And this year could be fantastic. Now, this brings me to my second piece of news, where the competitors for the New Japan Cup 2019 have been announced. Now, this was announced earlier this morning, which is partly why I wanted to hold off on the podcast till today. Now, this will be taking place from the 8th of March until the 24th. The final will be on the 24th. And these are the 32 competitors, okay? And I will announce them in match order. So these are your first round matchups. We've got Nagata versus Ishii, which, Garth, that's your wet dream of a match. Okay, <laughs> literally, they just beat the piss out of each other. It's brilliant. <clears throat> You've then got Homer taking on Taichi. So a nice, easy round for Chris's Chris. pick. Though <laughs> I will piss myself if Taichi loses. <laughs> You've then got the worst match of the draw with Nakanishi taking on Yoshihashi. That is Snorefest 101. And then you've got Juice Robinson taking on Chase Owens. So Chase Owens, all those pins he was racking up have got him a place in the New Japan Cup. On the 9th, so all those matches taking place on the 8th of March. These are the matches taking place on the 9th. Okada taking on Elgin. 
You've then got one of the members of the Mighty Don't Kneel, as I mentioned in the Ring Rate Roundup, Mikey Nichols, making his debut for New Japan, taking on Leo Tonga, or Herculeo, as he's now known. So, again, a nice debut. You've then got Will Ospreay, who is going to be in the New Japan Cup, taking on Bad Luck Farley. I can't see him hitting the Stormbreaker on Farley, but we'll see. <laughs> try. Yeah, I was just going to say, he tried to do it on Davey Boy Smith and it hurt. Um, <laughs> you've then got Toa Hanare taking on Lance Archer. So that is night two on the 9th of March. On the 10th of March, you've then got Tanahashi taking on the Young Lion Shota Umino. Now, Shota Umino, and I'll be going into this later, on the Honor Rising shows, he was the absolute standout. He was absolutely phenomenal. He had a match with Zack Sabre Jr., which I gave seven stars, which was absolutely amazing. <laughs> this lad, he's, he's, he's going to be a future IWGP heavyweight champion. He should be going on excursion now, but the fact that they're giving him a chance and the fact that he's got Tanahashi, <laughs> okay, that's, that's saying something, exactly. We've then got Tenzan versus Finley, if fingers crossed, if Finley's shoulder is better. You've got Ibushi taking on Naito, which is going to be an outstanding yeah. match. And then you've got a rematch from uh, New Beginning of Sapporo with Evil taking on Zack Sabre Jr., another great match, hopefully, fingers crossed. And then on the final bout of first round matches, we've got our only Ring of Honor member taking place with Togi Makabe taking on Colt Cabana. Now, it was interesting. Cole Cabana was teaming with Yano uh, in the Honor Rising show, and the second night of Honor Rising, and they had a really, really entertaining match. It was far more entertaining than I thought it should have been. But when you consider the, you know, the people that New Japan have, you know, sorry, the Ring of Honor have got, you know, Jeff Cobb, could Jeff Cobb yeah. not have that space? I mean, I prefer to see Jeff Cobb. I mean, Cole Cabana, fair enough. He's a in ring, you know, he's a ring general. He's a veteran. I'm not sure I want to see it. Maccabee versus Cabana, not something I'm going to be looking forward to. Um, <laughs> we've then got Toriano taking on Davy Boy Smith Jr. Uh, Satoshi Kojima taking on Minoru Suzuki. And then Goto and Sonada. Now, those are your competitors. Now, they are basically every heavyweight you can put in, uh, with yeah. the exception of Yujiro Takahashi. And then the Gorillas of Destiny. And the Gorillas of Destiny, the whole idea of the New Japan Cup this year is that the winner goes on to the G1 Supercard and will face Jay White in the main event of that for the championship. Obviously, Tamatonga and Tangaloa, as I reported earlier, are already in a match with the Briscoes. So there's no point in them being in the New Japan Cup. Yeah. Um, but there's some interesting matchups there. Just to pick a few out, Garth, I'm more than happy to see Nagata and Ishii yeah. literally beat the piss out of each other. Actually, I think. Tanahashi versus Umino, I'm very excited yeah. about. Um, I'm happy to see Osprey in there, though. You know, he's going to have to do a lot to get Farley through a good match. <laughs> you know, but in fairness, Farley's had some good matches over the New Beginning Tour. Ibushi versus Naito, of course, from night three. And, you know, that's pretty... Zach and, Zach and um, Evil as well. Yeah. There are some good matchups here. Elgin versus Okada again. I'm more than happy to see that. I would be very, very, very surprised, bearing in mind that you are selling out Madison Square Garden, you've got to have a big name win this. You know, we can all come up with dream scenarios. Oh, I want Sonada to win it. Oh, maybe Suzuki will get his chance. No, yeah. it's a big gar it's a big venue they're trying to sell out. And for me, the only person that can legitimately win it is Okada. Yeah. Okada has to win this. Because, you know, there's been all this history with him and Jay White. We they've done the Tanahashi 
stuffed to death, I feel. I was going to say, like, Tanahashi's only the other really sort of global name there. I mean, you've got Naito potentially, but obviously Naito's the current Intercontinental Champion and all this hype about Kota Ibushi's return. I can't see him knocking Ibushi out in the first round. Yeah. Um, but I can't see Na- Naito's the only other one, aside from Okada and Tanahashi, who's got the name to headline Madison Square Garden. But Naito's already a champion, and they seem to be holding off on the Naito J White thing. I can see that being maybe a Dominion show. Um, but yeah, it's looking like Okada. Mm-hmm. It's it's Okada's to lose. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um. So that's the New Japan Cup news, and that leads us very very nicely onto the three New Japan shows that were actually this week. Now I have done a lot of reviewing, ladies and gentlemen, and the full reviews are all on the website www.podmania.co.uk. Please go and check them out because I'm not going through every single match, especially from Takashi Izuka's uh, retirement show. But I'll start with that now, Garth. You know Takashi Izuka, the man who bites people. Uh, he is the bane of my viewing of New Japan. Honestly, every time he came out, I hated it. But genuinely, by the end of this show, I was thoroughly invested. I was yeah. like, oh, don't go. The video package they produced at the start of this show, it's about ten minutes, about nine minutes long, I think, and it was fantastic. They built um, Izuka as though he was an absolute fucking beast. So, absolutely fair play. So, I'll go through this show. There was a couple of highlights, but nothing massive. Now, obviously, you've got the main event, which was a six-man tag match, and this was to be Takashi Izuka's retirement match. You've got Hiroyoshi Tenzan, Toriyano, and Kazuchika Okada defeating Suzuki-Goon team of Takashi Izuka, Minoru Suzuki, and Taichi at 22 minutes and 14 seconds with a moonsault press. Now... The entire time, the crowd, I've never heard a crowd like this. Absolutely deafening chance of Izuka and Tenzan ringing around. Obviously, there's that, that history between Tenzan and Izuka. But there was a moment where Tenzan, he realised he wasn't going to bring um, Izuka back. So he lays the shirt that they used to wear, the best friend shirt, which was a bit shit, but I'm not going to lie. Um, but he laid the shirt onto Tenzan, uh, sorry, onto Izuka, who was on the floor, and then moonsaulted onto him to pin him. Now it was it was horrible. It was it was really emotional. And then they shook hands at the end before Izuka bit him, and the entire ah. Suzuki goon stormed the ring. Um, and you know Izuka hit Tenzan with the iron glove, and then just wandered off into the crowd, and that was it. Brilliant. Left his left his iron glove in the ring as a kind of tribute, which Taichi then stole, which I thought was quite funny. Um, and as Suzuki's playing this ten bell tribute on the ring bell. Um, another thing to point out as well, they brought out announcer Shinpei Nagami, who was back to announce this match. He was the announcer, of course, who was forced into therapy after incessant attacks by Izuka. So, <laughs> now, this match was not fantastic in Ringoth. In <laughs> fact, it was a bit shit, if I'm honest. Yeah. It was five stars, but as for the emotion, the emotion was fantastic. It really was. I mean, you, you had to get you were invested in this match because of the stakes in it. Even if, you know, Izuka's a bit dog shit. <laughs> um, I we... suppose, though, like, as maybe as shit as he may be, at least they've done this sort of thing. It's nice that they've done this thing. And I think, th- isn't this far nicer, a far nicer way of sending someone out than, say, what the WWE did to Rhino? Yeah. You know, I know that or, wasn't real, but... Or whoever else. 
Send well, off. Exactly. They literally just send them off. You know, give them a match, send them off. They've basically built this entire show around Izuka, who, let's face it, is a lower mid-carder. You know, he's yeah. been wrestling in the promotion since 1985, but even so, he's a mid-carder. And they've done this mm-hmm. big thing about him. It was really nice. Other matches on the card, you've got Eagles Nishimori defeating Yaya Uemura and Jushin Thunder Liger at 7 minutes 48 after a 4.50 splash. That match got four stars. It just it needed to go a little bit longer for me to be invested. And obviously with them having a young lion on Liger's team, it was obviously they were going to lose. Uh, match two was Toa Hanare, Tiger Mask, Tomoki Homma and Togi Makabe defeating Yota Suji, Ren Narita, Satoshi Kojima and the walking tree, Marabu Nakanishi. At 11 minutes 35, with the shitly named Toa Bottom. Now, this is Toa Hanari's rock bottom. It's called the Toa Bottom. It's shit. Now, Hanari's (laughs) been getting a lot of victories. You know, hope this could lead into something. I don't know what Toa Hanari's ceiling is. Challenging for the never never open weight. I feel like Osprey's probably too far above Hanare, but this got three stars. Wasn't great. Then we had Yoshihashi and Tomohiro Ishii defeating Shota Umino and Yuji Nagata at 13 minutes 45 with a butterfly lock. Yoshihashi getting the victory here, but it was all about Ishii and Nagata, who literally had to be separated at the end from beating the piss out of each other. And it's one of those matches where you're not entirely sure if they don't like each other. Yeah. And they're just literally beating the piss out of each other. So that being put into the New Japan Cup is exceptionally exciting. Uh, Rapongi 3K then defeated Suzuki Goon team of El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru at 12:32 with a three, with a 3K fairly standard junior heavyweight tag match. The end. Um, we had Shingo and Bushi arrive and absolutely obliterate them. And I'm I'm not I'm not joking now. Rapongi 3K were made to look like infants. Shingo and yeah. Bushi absolutely destroyed them. The hit show with Rebellion. And then literally just stood over him, taking the piss <laughs> for like five minutes. It was brilliant. Um, we then got an absolutely got. I hated this match. Taguchi and Hiroki Goto, Goto defeated Takamishinoku and Zack Saber Jr. at ten thirty-two with a clutch hold. I, it, it was uninteresting, if I'm perfectly mm-hmm. honest. Unfortunately, it's it's getting to the point where that's how I feel about a lot of Goto matches. I was going to say it's Goto, wasn't it? Yeah, and we'll get into that when I get to um, the uh, on a rising shows. And then the semi-main event before, obviously, the retirement match was Will Ospreay and Hiroshi Tanahashi's defeated Killer Elite Squad at 12 minutes 32 after Will Ospreay hit Davey Smith, uh, Dave Boy Smith Jr. with an arse cut. He tried to get um, Dave Boy Smith up for the, um, the Stormbreaker. Couldn't because he was too big which we'll play in later, um, mm-hmm. but hit him with the Oz Cutter eventually. It was interesting as well that Izika's stable Suzuki Goon at this point were 0-3. <laughs> uh, and obviously they go 0-4 for the entire show. So nice way to send them off. Here you go. Here's a load of losses. <laughs> so I thought that was quite nice. Um, but yeah, overall, you you didn't miss much, to be perfectly honest. It was more a case of, this is our bloke. He's retiring Let's make this show about him. And to be honest, the bits yeah. that were about him were decent. The Honor Rising tour, obviously this is the co-headline tour between Ring of Honor and New Japan. We've got quite a few um, title matches. In all honesty, I preferred Night 2 to Night 1. And I've been talking to people on Twitter about why that was. I just thought Night 1, a lot of the competitors seem quite sluggish. And we'll go through that in a minute. But the, the big thing to take out of this for me were the opening two matches. Marty Skirl defeated Ren Narita at 11.32 with a cross-faced chicken win. The first thing I'm going to say is Marty Skirl is horrendously over. 
he's absolutely ridiculously over in yeah. Japan. The Corrigan crowd absolutely loved him. But this match with Ren Narita was absolutely fantastic. Really, really good. Really quick, really smooth. There was a bit when um, Marty Skrull is attempting to jump on Ren Narita to get his shoulders to the mat and Ren Narita is literally just arching his back. And no matter what Marty does, he's not he's not breaking it. Just showing great strength. It was a really, really enjoyable match. Really enjoyable. And that was only topped by match two which was Zack Sabre Jr. defeating Shota Umino at 13.56 with a modified knee bar. Fucking hell. Garth, honestly, I know you don't watch a lot of New Japan because you simply don't have time, but you'll be hearing this name a lot. Shota Umino is going to be the next big thing. He is absolutely incredible. He's crisp. He's clean. He pushed Zack Sabre Jr., who is a submission specialist, all the way, all the way to the very, very end. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, please do. If you watch nothing of this show, and to be honest, there isn't a lot to watch of this. You know, it's better than 2018, but there's not a great deal to watch. Um, this was brilliant. This was really, really good. Um, Liger and Gresham then defeated Taiji Shimori and Robbie Eagles at 5 minutes 27 with <laughs> basically a roll-up. Now, bearing in mind that Liger is going for Ishimori's title at the anniversary show, Ishimori tagged in. He hadn't hit a move and was pinned 10 seconds later by Liger. <laughs> 10 seconds. Now... So, so Liger's not got that belt then? <laughs> well, no, he's not getting this belt. But it was a point where I was like, was Ishimori supposed to kick out? What? I'm I'm so confused. Like, it was just, it was just baffling. It really was baffling to me. <laughs> um, and then other notable matches. We had title matches. We had the Never Openweight Six-Man Tag Team Championship match with the holders, Taguchi, Makabe, and Yano defeating Delirious Cheeseburger and Colt Cabana at 10 minutes 16 after a schoolboy. Basically, this was a three-star match. It was just, it was a lot of comedy, and it was a lot, it was a lot of comedy to take off. <laughs> a lot of comedy. Um, but ultimately, Yano hits Delirious with a low blow. <clears throat> Delirious hasn't got the capability, apparently, to communicate to Colt Cabana that this has happened after he's been rolled up. So Delirious, in an attempt to try and communicate with Cabana, who's shaking hands with Yano at this point, Cabana then gets low blowed by Delirious to demonstrate before he leaves in anger with Cheeseburger. It 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 was at this point I needed to go and lie down. Yeah. It it was a lot to take. Uh, Will Ospreay then defeated all Dalton Castle at 17 minutes 30 with a Stormbreaker never open weight championship match. Dalton Castle was never taking this ever. No. I mean the man broke his back legitimately not not that long ago. Um and. He was, especially in this match, not so much in the tag match on night two, but I felt on this match, he was quite sluggish. Now, that's yeah. fair enough. The man had a broken back. But, <laughs> it, it, I don't know. He took a terrifying bump to the floor. He went over the over the corner post, and it was like, oh, fuck, he's gone. He's dead. Yeah. Um, Osprey got his entire repertoire out, hit the pip-pip cheerio off the barricade, hit a spacefly tiger drop twice onto a prone castle. Um the ending sequence was nice. Osprey reverses a bangerang attempt into a reverse Warana. Hits that elbow, which he calls the decapitation elbow, which almost legitimately killed Ibushi, and then hit the Stormbreaker for the victory. Six-star match, really, really good. Last two matches in night one, Garth, and then I promise I'll let you get into impact. <laughs> match right. seven was Jeff Cobb, the current Ring of Honor World Championship, sorry, World Champion, defeating Hiroki Goto at 30 minutes and 52 seconds with Tour of the Islands. Now, me and Chris drastically, drastically disagreed with this match. 
I no. had very, very high hopes for this match because I'm very vocal in the fact that Goto needs to be motivated for me to be even slightly into his matches. I.e. look at his match at Wrestle Kingdom 12 with Suzuki. That was a fucking phenomenal match. One of my matches of the year of uh, yeah. 2017. 2018, sorry. This was not. <laughs> this was very boring, very plodding. There was a bit where, on the outside, and this was quite funny, um, on the outside... Cobb is on the ground, having been grounded by Goto. Goto then picks up a young lion and snap suplexes him onto Cobb on the floor, <laughs> which was roundly booed by the Corrigan crowd. Complete Suzuki Goon um, thing to do, but very, very funny. Really enjoyed it. Um, but it was it was a bit boring. The final bit, the final sequence was excellent when eventually uh, Cobb manages to get Tour of the Islands to retain. But I wanted it to be so much more, and it wasn't. Yeah. It was it was there and. That was all I could say about it. And then the less said about this, the better. Match 8, Jay Lethal, Kasuchika Okada and Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated the Kingdom, Matt Taven, Vinny Marseglia and TK Orion at 14 minutes and 10 seconds after Lethal hit the Lethal Injection. How this headlined, I'm not entirely sure. I know TK Orion was going against Jay Lethal on night 2, but this was... shit. Painful. <laughs> Again, Chris seemed to like this match, and I've got no idea why. I've given it five stars, and basically I'm the boss, so I get to choose, ultimately. Um, but Matt Taven is a very 80s-style heel. He will powder out of the ring and disrupt the whole flow of a match, which is fine, but that was all they did. <laughs> it was so boring. I mean, there's a bit where Okada jumped and sort of tweaked his knee as he went for a dropkick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That was never mentioned again. Why, why do that? The the one bit I remember of this match was Okada making his pecs dance to the tune of Okada from the crowd. They were chanting, <laughs> Okada, Okada, and Okada was making his pecs dance to the song. That was literally the, the most impressive bit of it. Um, the face team basically managed to reverse a Rockstar Supernova attempt and Lethal hits the Lethal Injection onto Marseglia before the Kingdom then beat them down. As far as shows go, it was fine. If you, if you want to go and check matches out, I would highly recommend the two Young Lion matches, the first match and the second match, um, but avoid the Liger and Gresham versus Maureen Eagles match and avoid the Never Open Weight six-man tag team championship match because that was also the shits. <laughs> <laughs> so, night two, final one. Promise, Garth. Okay. Now, night two was a damn side better. And... The reason Night 2 was a lot better, I think, is because the competitors seem to be a lot more a lot more invested in the storylines. Now, <clears throat> again, the first match we had was Jonathan Gresham and Toa Hanare defeating Taka Mishinoku and Zack Sabre Jr. at 12 minutes 20 with an octopus clutch. Gresham, despite being Chris's wet dream, is absolutely amazing. Chris Charlton and Kevin Kelly could not say enough good things. Also, Chris Charlton absolutely outstanding. His knowledge of the New Japan product is fucking phenomenal. Honestly, the bloke's unparalleled. The stuff he comes out with, just off the cuff seemingly. I'll talk about something else later on, but absolute props to him. I could listen to him all day. This was a seven-star match for me. Absolutely brilliant. Gresham is technically sound. He's, you know, We saw his submission-based manoeuvres. We saw his high-flying prowess. We saw submission-based offence. We saw grappling. We saw catch wrestling. The man's a genius. Absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, 
Match two, Skrull defeated Robbie Eagles at 8.55 with a cross-faced chicken wing. God, Robbie Eagles is loud when he's selling. Mm. I mean, genuinely, he's the loudest man I know, and bearing in mind I've watched a lot of Jericho matches, <laughs> Eagles is fucking loud, Garth. He's a loud boy, a very loud boy. Um, but Skrull went over, which I thought was interesting, considering Eagles is the current Bullet Club junior. I thought that was quite interesting. Right, right. Um, Eagles taps out as well. He gets locked in the crossface chicken wing, and I don't think Skrull has even got it in properly before Eagles taps. I mean, it is instantaneous. It's hilarious. Now, match three. Colt Cabana and Tori Yano defeated Delirious and Cheeseburger at 10 minutes and nine seconds with a modified jackknife cover. Now, Garth, as I say these words, does that sound like a match you'd want to see? Um, Be honest. Maybe not. If I had to pick one not to watch. <laughs> this was the funniest match I've seen in ages. It was brilliant. If, really? I, got, if I got to see Colt Cabana and Tori Yano tag more often, I'd be a happy, happy man. It was brilliant. There was a bit where Yano was slamming Delirious's head into the turnbuckle pads, and Delirious carried on after Yano had finished. And Yano was just like, "I'm not doing anything. What, what are you doing?" <laughs> there was a bit where Cheeseburger goes for a top rope move, and Colt Cabano just literally walks out of the way because Yano said something to him. And Cabano goes, "I can't hear. Hang on," and walks off. And Cheeseburger misses, sells it as though he's been knocked out. So Yano's over the top of him, going, "Are you okay?" Are you okay? Are you? And then when he says, "Yeah, I'm fine," Yano starts beating him up. It's <laughs> it's it's brilliant. And then the stuff with turnbuckles. It's 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 funny, and it shouldn't have been funny, but it was anyway. Colt Cabana and Toyano went over, which was the right choice. Match four, a much better match for Goto. And I didn't think I'd say this. This was probably one of my matches of the night. Will Ospreay and Haruki Goto defeated Jeff Cobb and Dalton Castle at eleven minutes fifty four with Stormbreaker. Now. Holy shit, Garth. You've seen the size of Jeff Cobb. Yep. You know, I've, he's a big bastard. He's a big lad, isn't he? I've blown my load over Jeff Cobb. Not physically or literally, Whoop. obviously. <laughs> I mean, metaphorically. Metaphorically, I've blown my load over Jeff Cobb. Even that sounds bad. You know what I mean. Anyway, the bloke's incredible. <laughs> and I think he's great. But this was all about Osprey. Yeah. And I think this match benefited. I know it sounds horrible, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but it benefited it. It benefited from literally being Osprey versus Cobb with a tiny bit of Goto and a tiny bit of Castle. Castle looked a lot more aggressive mm-hmm. in this match, but Osprey was untouchable. He hits his entire moveset with the exception of the Ozcutter, which Cobb catches. Um, but bearing in mind that Cobb is enormous and Osprey manages to hit the Stormbreaker. The man is going to be in the G1. He's going to have some absolutely outstanding moments. And I can't fucking wait. He's going to have a yep. really, really good year. Really good year. Six-star match. Absolutely fantastic. Um, and then I'm just going to run through a couple of these because there's some missable matches. LIJ team of Naito and Shingo defeated the Kingdom team of Taven and Marseglia. Again, they did a really good job of building Matt Taven's hatred of LIJ because of his feud in CMLL. Really, really good. Six stars again. Decent match. I'm not a fan of Marseglia. I think he's the weak link in the team. However, I say that, we get to match six. This is match six, Garth. It's an Mm eight-match card. Uh, Match six, and we are on the Ring of Honor World Championship match. This didn't main event the show. It didn't even semi-main event the show. What does this tell you about the Ring of Honor World Championship? 
It's not really very prominent at the minute, is it? Not really. Now, Jay Lethal, who's the champion, defeated TK Orion at 10.52 with a lethal injection. There was no fucking reaction to TK Orion. I was just going to say, what was the reaction to that? Because Absolutely nothing. And let me tell you, now, Ring of Honor are currently promoting their 17th anniversary show in Vegas, where Matt Taven is going for the world title. They spent more time before this match building Lethal versus Taven than they did building Lethal versus TK Orion, which was happening on this show. <laughs> now, if, it shows you where the priority is. Exactly. If the commentary team aren't asked about this match, I'm not. And even though TK Orion has got a fantastic spine buster, we'll definitely say that to him, there was nothing to this match. Nothing to this match at all. Um, Lethal eventually wins, and this becomes the record amount of successful defence of the Ring of Honor World Championship. 39. 39 oh. defences over his two championship reigns. So, fair play, Jay Lethal. I, it, this was not a good match, Garth. It was <laughs> not a good match at all. Please avoid it at all costs. TK Orion is not ready for that shit, and that goes to that just it goes to show in this match. Four stars, nothing more. And again, I know Chris disagrees, but tough. Um, he's not here. Exactly, he's not <laughs> here. He's having a life somewhere. Semi-main event: The Gorillas of Destiny defeated Evil and Sonada for the IWGP Tag Team Championships at twenty minutes and twelve minutes, twenty minutes and twelve seconds with a super power bomb. Now, Garth, I know you've heard me and Chris talk about how we've seen God versus Evil and Sonada a lot. Yeah, we saw it twice in the World Tag League. Neither match were fantastic; they were average. The World Tag League match went over half an hour. Fucking hell. The final, and it was a fucking boring match. This was a lot better. This was probably the better match that I've seen them in, with the exception of the Young Bucks match at, uh, match at Wrestle Kingdom, but that only went 10 minutes. This was still probably five minutes too long, but this was a lot better. A lot mm. better, a lot crisper, and a lot quicker. There was a brilliant interchange in reversings uh, from the skull end into gun stuns from Sonada and Tamer. They seem to be the main event here. Evil looked absolutely terrifying when he was running at people, though, really quick. He hit Tamato uh, sorry, Tangaloa with this clothesline in the corner after he changed direction. It was fucking terrifying. It was really quick. There was one moment, though, and this bit really, really took it out of me. Really took me out of this match. Sonada had the skull end locked in on Tamatonga to the point where Tamatonga is on the floor almost passing out. So Sonada lets go of the hold <laughs> and tries to go for the moonsault, which he then misses, which ultimately led to the finish. But why, Garth? Why do that? I don't understand. Rissa's logic. <laughs> it's just, it's absolutely fucking ridiculous. Anyway, eventually the Gorillas of Destiny gets an order up for the super power bomb. Tama covers for the victory. Now, this is where Chris Charlton is fucking brilliant. Um, Gorillas of Destiny are now the five-time IWGP Tag Team Champions. Um, they are second currently behind Tenkozy, who have six. And this, and I think this is what Chris Charlton said, and I could be wrong, please correct me if I am, it's the first IWGP Tag Team title change at the Currican Hall since 1987. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, and then he said it's the first time that it's changed hands in February since 2015, and it was Gallows and Anderson. The man is a walking encyclopedia, and I'm sorry, I'm so glad they're using him. It's brilliant. Yeah. I'd still say this was five minutes too long, but it's definitely their best match they've had since World Tag League. Uh, sorry, including World Tag League, I gave it seven stars. And finally, Garth, the final match was the Briscoes taking on Finjuice. 
This was a decent match. Um, unfortunately, it was sort of spoiled by the fact that um, David Finlay was legitimately injured. Um, and you could see the moment he, he went for... I think he went for a top row move. I can't remember what it was, but he's landed funny and dislocated his shoulder. So they had to rush the ending with yeah. the Briscoes hitting the froggy bow and taking the titles. Unfortunate, but there's nothing you can do about it. Hopefully, David Finlay is recovered in time for the New Japan Cup. This has led to the Briscoes taking on G.O.D. at the G1 Supercard. I will talk more about this when Chris is on, but I just wanted to talk to you about how, at the moment, aside from G.O.D., Evil and Sonata, Killer Elite Squad, Yujiro and Chase, who aren't legitimate championship competitors, neither are Makabe and Yano, most violent players. Would it be nice to see the Briscoes as the IWGP Tag Team Champion, just for, just for a different sake? Um... Yeah, I mean, if they're gonna, if they're gonna let them sort of do their thing with it. I mean, I'm on, so, if I'm honest, Garth, they work well in Japan. They're yeah. they're not the most over. They're not the most, you know, people don't really care. But they're a good team. You know, you can't mm-hmm. take that away from them. When we used to review Ring of Honor, we used to say that they're a decent tag team. They work yeah, well yeah. together. So why not give them a chance? Um, At least I suppose it'll shake it up a bit. That's the they are, they are they are different to what they've got at the minute anyway. Completely different. Completely different. And I feel like at the moment they're trying to throw tag teams together because they don't because they've got two tag divisions and nowhere near enough teams to block out these two divisions. They haven't got enough tag yeah. teams for one division, never mind two. You know, in the junior division it's even worse because you've got Rapongi 3K, Desperado and Kanamaru, and the champions Shingo and Bushi. <laughs> you've literally got no one else. So, you know, it's going to be interesting over the next couple of weeks. I, I don't know whether they'll give the Briscoes the victory at G1 Supercard. It'll be interesting to see. Anyway, that is all the New Japan news. I'm sorry, I have gone on a long time, Garth. You've had to listen to me talk for a long time. <laughs> Garth, our Impact correspondent. What's going on in Impact this week, buddy? Um, Actually, quite a lot. Story-wise, anyway. Um, I mean... It, just as a side note to the, the news that we had earlier, and I'd only read this before and I've just remembered it now looking at my notes, um, there was a story come out, uh, Eddie Edwards has signed a new contract, which is surprising considering everybody seems to be leaving. Um, uh, Sammy Callahan signed a new contract. I saw that this morning, yes. That's excellent massive. news. Brilliant yeah. news for the 2018 and, star of Impact. And there was an interview with Killer Crossway, he said he turned down a contract with WWE recently as well. What was the reasoning behind stay. that? He just said uh, he said uh, he doesn't believe that WWE would know what to do with his character and they wouldn't use him very well. I think that's a legitimately good reason. Yeah. I think especially when you look at who's leaving well, and who's yeah, coming exactly. up. I mean, you've got people like Alistair Black who's quite similar sort of menacing sort of character. So yeah, it shows at least he's got. Uh, He's not there for the money. He's he's just he's doing it for his his character. Yeah, which, which is, is excellent. Yeah. So no, I mean um, this this is the first of the tapings from Las Vegas. Um, it was sort of taglined as the final chapter, which sort of alluded the the Lex versus Lucha Brothers match, which the same was the last time they're going to do it. Um, that would be the headline of the show. Um, but it kicked off with. Johnny Impact just came out to to talk about 
uncaged, um, cut a very sort of stock Johnny Impact promo. But I still, I don't know if it's just the way he delivers it, but I still get this sort of heelish tinge to the way he talks. He's never... Go on. As if he's been quite sort of... uh, Like nobody's good enough for me sort of thing. I mean, we've always said that his promos are never the best, but he, since Homecoming, he isn't over as a champion. He's not, he's not. I mean, his reaction was all right. Um, he came out, cut the average promo, blah, 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 when I was a fan on that side of the ring, on that side of the um, barricade, etc. He says, it's time to move on. I've done with Moose and I've done with Killer, um, Cross, blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, he didn't allude to the fact that he still hasn't given Brian Cage's one-on-one uh, rematch. <laughs> No, we sort of weaseled out of the way of that, didn't he? Yeah. Um, But he says, time to move on. Then Moose comes out. (laughs) Straight away. Honestly, as soon as Moose turns up, I just get a massive grin. He's so entertaining. He's such an entertainer. And um, so he comes down and he starts sort of um, doing the whole... um, He starts going, oh, where, where... (laughs) <laughs> um, because like uh, Johnny and Pac says saying oh, I've been a fighting champion I've, I've fought everyone who's came my way I've given everyone a chance he's like where where I've got the championship where where I've had the fight where where <laughs> doing the whole sort of pretending crying thing <laughs> and it's just so good and then um, Moose sort of starts going like you know the only reason that I didn't win that championship is because of stupid Brian Cage and stupid Killer Cross <laughs> And uh, and he's like, I thought he was my friend, and all this, and uh, and then obviously Killer Cross comes out looking absolutely fucking incensed. Um, he's a monster. Him, he is a monster. Killer Cross, enormous, enormous. Um, and it's just this whole sort of yeah, and it's just this whole that you've got Johnny Impact trying to be so serious, then you've got Moose being an absolute goof. And then you've got Killer Cross coming out trying to be this sort of psycho. Mm. And it just works really well. Um, so <laughs> Killer Cross comes out and he just <laughs> he just starts laying in the, um, the totally he totally bypasses um Johnny Impact. He just forgets about him. He's, he starts laying in the um Moose saying, Do you know how much it's sort of hurt me to put up with you and your stupid outfits? <laughs> this was the gif I put on Twitter, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> stupid outfits, and he's like, hey, leave the outfits alone. And then uh, they start <laughs> arguing, and then he's like, um, and then Moose says, hey, you told me Jean Paul Gaultier was your favourite designer. And is this where Killer Cross says, don't you dare bring up Jean Paul Gaultier? Don't you dare bring up. And then, like, and then <coughs> Johnny and Pac cuts and he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then he sort of says, Moose, those. Uh, those shiny boots you've got on good sort of thing so anyway that's they they get broken up um johnny impact then says right well you two will have a match to see who's the number one contender um this is how it's going to go down then moose just clocked kill across <laughs> <laughs> like a total cheap shot and then the match just starts all right, okay. So we went straight into the match. Straight into Moose versus Cross. I mean, that was all right. I mean, Johnny Impact went on to commentary 
didn't really say much. <laughs> Obviously. Um, and I mean, I mean, Nota just got killer cross as a fucking monster because he was. He was just. He's had the most of this match, and he had um, he had the beating of Moose, and the only reason Moose cut out of it is Killer Cross was going for these sort of running clotheslines in the corner, and Moose just grabbed the ref and pulled him in front of him, <laughs> so Cross almost hit him, so Cross sort of threatened the referee, and while the ref wasn't looking, Moose hit him with a low blow, kicked off a bit, um, and then um, Killer Cross did the same to him. Distracts the ref, gives him a low blow. They end up outside the ring. Johnny Impact then gets involved. Killer Cross gets um, Josh Matthews hot coffee. Well, scalding hot co- coffee, apparently. Scalding throws it in, Yeah, and throws it in Johnny Impact's face. <laughs> and they just keep going, this man's a lunatic. He's trying to, trying to burn the face of Johnny Impact. <laughs> um, so they, end up back, they all end up back in the ring. Johnny Impact goes for... Um, like an attack, and then they both turn on him, and it was a it was all a work. Ah. So Moose and Cross sort of fist bump, give like a bit of a wink, and then just kick the shit out of Johnny Impact. So who is the number one contender? Well, nobody at the minute because um, Brian Cage comes down for the save. Oh. So he saves it, then they all go up the ring, and yeah, and then Brian Cage hands. Johnny Impact is Titans, sort of gives him like a, a nod. I mean, it was a good segment, and it, again, it, even though they're still involving those four guys, it keeps it interesting. Yeah, I suppose. Fair enough. Um, but it's um, it's it's just it's entertaining. Every anything with Killer Cross and anything with Moose in is just oh, absolutely massively entertaining. Outstanding. Um, and then we had um, apparently a big announcement from Don Callis. Oh, really? About a, a new signing. I was like, all right, what's this? I wonder who this is. Fucking Glenn Gilberti, Disco Inferno. Oh, fuck's sake. And it's another one of these daft skits. I mean, it was, it was, it was all right. And it's just, a, it was a sort of sound bite from Don being on uh, Conan's podcast, keeping it at 100. Oh, yeah. Saying, oh, I'm giving Gilberti, I'm going to give you a job, come down. I'm, I'm sorry about all the problems that we've had, except that I come down and we've got a job, so. I'm sure there's going to be hijinks. Great, um, but it was it was yeah, it was all right. It was only like a couple of minutes. Um, then it goes to backstage. Lex basically just pumped up for the match with the luchas. Um, Conan just shouting the usual shtick. Um, then uh, then there's this really odd where. Because Johnny Cage, when he'd been in the ring before, was fully clothed. He had like a shirt and everything on. Johnny Impact. Johnny Impact, sorry. Uh, and Brian Cage obviously came down, ripped, <laughs> um, looking like a monster. And then it goes backstage, and Johnny Impact, uh, Brian Cage is sat down. Johnny Impact comes sits next to him without a top on. <laughs> I was like, this is like what? <laughs> this was so. Uh, I've got yeah. muscles as well. Yeah. Um, and they basically, Johnny Impact says, look. You get a title shot, but um, we need to get rid of Moose and Killer Cross. Yeah, but how many so times has he said this? I know. That, well, that's it. And he's, let's team up. And then Brian Cage says, no, I can't trust you anymore. You've said this before. Johnny Cage will says, here, read that. It's a contract. Anytime, anywhere. As, as soon as we've got them out of the way, any match, any time, you name it, you get your match. 
So that's going to set up that match. Um, Do you reckon that's what we're getting at? Is it Redemption in April? I think they'll have the tag match and then straight after it. Really? You're going to waste the champion in that match at Redemption? I think, so. I think Johnny, I think Brian Cage will say, right, I want you now. Oh, and that's right, be right after the tag match. Straight after the tag match, yeah. When That'd be quite good. Yeah, when they're both sort of down and out. Um, aye, I think that's, I think that's how it'll go down. That's quite creative, I like that. Um, and then they had a big prom, um, another promo for that United We Stand thing. Um, a few new matches added to it, including um, an intergender match. So I've read, yes. Tessa versus Eli Drake. Um, I'm not opposed to that. I think it'd be good. I think Tessa's done it before. Um, Eli Drake, he'll probably just talk for most of it. Probably, which is why we love <laughs> um, him. And it. Look, and it looks like they're doing um, Lucha Underground versus Impact again. Oh, right. Which is what they did, they did earlier this year. Yeah. Um, for, was it WrestleCon? Yeah, um, I think so. It, wasn't, it was mainly a weekend, wasn't it? Because that was when... Yeah, uh-huh. That was when Pentagon took the title off Ares, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then Ares and it was got it back, um, didn't he? Because I mean, they did all this sort of um, advertisement, and then they went under the GWN, which was the WrestleCon. Well, I think it was WrestleCon. It was the match between Lucha Underground and Impact. Oh, okay. And it was all right. I watched it. it was It was an all right match. Um, King was it? King Querno? King Querno? King Querno? Yeah. Um, he got his chest busted open off a slap. Who slapped him? Walter? Um, it was... I can't remember. Um, I think it might have been... Honestly, can't remember who it was. But it was fucking bleeding. Jesus. Um, right. So, but, I mean, it was a decent match. Um, so, do that again at that um, United We Stand. Should be decent. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, oh, the worst... Possibly the worst part of the whole show was another rascal skit oh. with that canned laughter. Oh, um, so bad. I mean, to be fair, the skit itself wasn't too bad. It's that, it is, it's a laughter. And um, they're all sort of sitting there pretending to be sort of high and um, pissing around, saying they're going to, the, arguing amongst each other, saying, right, well, we're going to set up a match with the Desi Hit squad, um, like Zachary Wentz and um, Trey. Oh, no, sorry, um, Des and Trey. Yeah. Um, and sort of, yeah, yeah. And then, then Gamma Singh comes in, because <laughs> they're obviously supposed to be sitting in this sort of room getting high together. Yeah. Gamma Singh comes in with one of his, the Indian um, smoke pipes. Right, and he's like, and he's like, this is how we do it, and he's like passing it around them, and they're all just sort of passing out and drooling on themselves, all so totally baked. Which I mean, it was quite funny, um, but then ugh, fucking hell, I, and for some reason, I saw it before it was coming. I, I sort of thought, I hope they don't do this, and they did this really, really bad, like cartoon smoke. Oh no! From Gama Singh, he he took a draw and then blew it in this really shitty cartoon smoke. It looked so fucking bad. I don't understand why they're overproducing these segments. I don't. Why are you spending so much time on these bullshit segments? I don't know, but it fed into the match. 
because um, uh, I mean next up, I mean they had a just before the Desi Hit Squad match, they had a another renal scum sort of promo. Are they back next um, week? So they're coming back next week. Yeah. Um, and then the Desi Hit Squad and Rascals Tree and Des um, and Tree and Des come out uh, acting all high. Uh, sort of flailing around and not sort of being with it. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, it was it was a good match. Um, and these last couple of weeks where they've had um, like Rajit, he, he's totally upped his game massively. He's been the star of the. He was the star of this match. To be fair, even though he was in there with the Rascals, um, really really good match. Um, really. Yeah. Okay. Probably one of the best matches I've seen the, the Desi Hit Squad in. Um, I mean, that's, it was that's just, not a high bar, to be fair. I know, I know. Um, but, I mean, there was a couple of good bits in the match. There was a bit where um, sort of Des sort of went for the hot tag. The crowd yeah. were all up for it. But um, Trey wasn't looking. <laughs> <laughs> so he sort of turned around and just sort of hit the nair. <laughs> um so the sort of um does he sort of got the upper hand on that point. Um but then fucking that tray, unbelievable. Honestly, he's so he just reminds us so much of Ricochet, it's unbelievable. Um he did this sort of thing where he sort of sort of half six one nine himself out of the ropes, sat on the bottom rope, then springed up into a cutter. You have to watch it, it's hard to explain. Um, oh so, no, I've seen so it, yes. He sort of yeah. springboards himself off his arse from the bottom rope, doesn't he? Uh-huh. I saw and it, a, yeah. And hits a cutter. It's like, fucking, how can you, how do you do that? How do you do that? That's just, am- just amazing. Um, but Trey gets the pin um, eventually. and But no, it was a good match. It was just a fun tag match. A couple of daft little skits in there. Um, then we're just getting Eli promo backstage against Eddie Edwards. He's having a match with them later. Okay. Standard sort of Eli stuff. It was pretty good. Um, uh, just basically going on about how he, because obviously last match he'd hit um, Eddie with the cane and stuff. He's had to do it, blah blah blah. But let's get it out of your system tonight, blah blah. Um, it was all right. Um, it sort of set up the match. Um, and then we had a follow-on from the Rich Swan story. So Finally. last week. Yeah, so last week we had Rich Swan taken out by Sammy Callahan on the ramp uh, with a pile driver, and he was taken away with a neck brace and things like that. Um, so this was Rich Swan in the hospital in his bed. Sammy Callahan just comes in, sits next to him. Um, Sammy Callahan says, uh, "I'm sorry." <laughs> Rich, Rich Swan just sort of looks at him. He goes, "Look, you know me. You've known me for a long time. You know when I say sorry, I mean it. Um, so I'm really sorry." Blah blah blah. Um, I was always there for you. Look what happened when all this stuff happened with your family. I was the first guy to call you. And, I mean, this is this sort of crossing over into real life stuff because he says, I was over in Japan and I, I made the call to you. I was the first one to get in touch when things went bad. So it is sort of blurring the line slightly, which mm. is quite good. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And then a nurse comes in and says, oh, to Sammy, like, you have to leave it to family only. And Rich one says, he is family. And then he leaves, so uh, he leaves him the OV shirt. So this is, is it's a good storyline. This I'm I'm enjoying it on the 
simply because there's not enough slow build storylines nowadays. Yeah. I like it. I mean, the the, the Chris weren't in this uh, show at all, and neither was Willie Max. So after they'd followed him into the um, change room in the last episode, there's been nothing. So, because hmm. I was I was watching it, and I was thinking, are they going to do some sort of hostage thing? <laughs> Join us or Willie Mack gets it. <laughs> I wouldn't be opposed to that. <laughs> but no, it, it, it's good how they're sort of slowly moving it on, like you say. Um, I just hope they don't, I hope it just doesn't turn out to be, oh, I'm okay, I'm joining, and then he's going to turn on them in the inside. So know. you mean like Randy Orton with the Wyatts? You mean Daniel Bryan? With the Wyatts. With the Wyatts, yeah. Basically, you just don't want it to be a Wyatt storyline, is basically, yeah, basically what you're getting yeah. at. Which... It's, it's, it's alright. It's... I'm happy for them to keep on going until the next big pay-per-view. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, keep us updated. Yeah, yeah. Um, next up, Eli versus Eddie Edwards. Um, it was good. Eddie Edwards just looks mental. He puts these, pulls these faces and he starts licking his lips and yeah, he plays it quite well, actually. <laughs> um, but uh, it was good, and Eli Drake was just totally working the crowd because the crowd were quite flat. It wasn't a massive crowd in Vegas. No. Um, but he got them going sort of, Eli, like he was going, Eli Drake, and they were going, sucks. And he kept going, you stop that. <laughs> <laughs> and they started laughing. So it was like he had them going a bit. But yeah. um, it was... Just an all right match. Um, notable point, sort of, like Eddie Edwards had Eli up on the outside and he sort of crotched him on the ring post from the outside. Uh, and Eli squealed like a piggy, <laughs> absolutely screamed. Um, and there was oh, some of the chops from, I mean, Don Callis said, like, Eddie Edwards is renowned in the whole business for having some of the stiffest chops. I can imagine, um, yeah. And you give quite a few to Eli but then he slapped him on the back chopped him on the back yes. and Don Callis said this is like a sort of this is a big no-no it's massively frowned upon in the business he says Ch- chopping someone on the chest is fine but if you chop someone and they can't see it he say, like he sort of says he's going to get a lot of heat for that and then Matthew says yeah but he doesn't care he's crazy so it's quite good I mean as long as Eli was was up for it I'm sure Eli would have been up for it um but it was good. I mean, Eli Drake sort of forced Eddie Edwards to wrestle rather than brawl. Yeah. And the the sort of commentary team sort of kept on pushing that point. So, you know, Eli, although he's lost, he's actually won on on a, on his sort of war with Eddie to get him to wrestle again rather than fight. And I thought it was quite a good story point. Like, so they're going to keep this going, but. It was a different match. It was, and Eddie Edwards won with a sort of like a powerbomb pin. So I thought it was quite a good sort of little sort of thing in the in the story there. So you've got um, like actual wrestling taking place as well as hardcore bullshit. Yeah, um, and it seems like sort of Eli Drake's the one doing the hardcore stuff in a way to sort of push Eddie Edwards to wrestle him. Yeah. So it's it's sort of subtle, but it's it's, it's well done. And I'm, as long as it's got Eli Drake on the telly, I don't mind. It's, it's just really good. He's brilliant. <laughs> He's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. 
Um, I'll try and run through it a bit quicker because we're pushing for time, aren't we? <laughs> it's all right. Um, Tessa's backstage, uh, and if I don't know, I don't, she, she plays this part so well of the pissed off sort of entitled brat. Basically, a bitch, um, isn't she? Yeah, and she's screaming into the office. It's obviously like the management office saying, "I want my rematch." Blah blah blah. Um, stop protecting Taya and all this, and then some random dude some random sort of Mexican guy comes and interviews her um, and she says she wants a rematch. She's sicker than protecting people like Gail Kim. She said, so if they won't give me my match, I'm going to make, make them sort of, I'm going to force the hand and make them do something. So her beating Gail Kim to within an inch of their life wasn't <laughs> her forcing it? Nope. Apparently not. <laughs> Fucking hell. Right, okay. Um. So next... <laughs> The next bit was Glenn Gilberti turning up. Oh, I fucking hate you. Oh, um, okay. And he turn, he turns up at like it's like catering or something, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm um, I'm here for management." Um, and the, the guy's like, "Um, well, I think it's." And he's like, "Oh, who are you here to see?" And he's like, "Hey, I'm Glenn Gilberti." You know, he does this sort of staying alive dance. Oh. And he's like, "I'm a pretty big deal," which I thought was quite <laughs> funny. To be fair. So I'm a pretty big deal around here. And uh, he sort of sends him on this, oh, you need to go left out here, then right, then turn right, and then head straight down. But if you end up at the cooler, you're too far, so go back on yourself and get so confused. So he ends up going out the dawn, out of the building, and gets locked out. And that's the end of that segment. <laughs> Quite spinal tap. Um, Love it. And I can, see this, I can see this being like an ongoing thing. Oh, well, I don't mind that. I don't mind that too much. And then we got a really odd match, which it was Alicia Edwards, who is absolute drizzling shit. She is awful. In the ring? Uh, absolutely awful, hi. Yeah, she's not um, great. Against Delilah Doom. Made a debut, I believe. I'd never heard of that. She'd never been advertised. She'd never been hinted at. Yeah, and she turns up, and I was like, who the hell is this? Um, She was just a bit... Mental. She was like, like she popped loads of um, like candy or something beforehand. She was absolutely off her tree. Um, jazzercise apparently. She's a jazzerciser, um, which means she's hyper all the time. Oh, good, fantastic. <laughs> um, dressed dressed up in some nineties garb with a headband. Um, but she was all right. I mean, she did like a six one nine. Um, she had to sort of fix. A really sloppy sort of top rope sort of body press from Alicia who slipped on her way down. Oh god. And like so fucking slot she's so bad. How she's getting matches, I don't know. Um yeah, your guess is as good as mine, mate. Um and then Tessa comes down, so yeah, save the day. And I just I don't know. I don't know if I can love this woman any more than I do. <laughs> Tessa Blanchard. Yeah, she's. Oh, I just hope that she isn't someone who's snapped up by AEW and then just doesn't I, turn up on Impact. I know, I really do, because she's the only thing keeping that division alight. Oh God, tell me about it. Because um, Jordan Grace was nowhere to be seen. Um, well, you say that, and that is including the Knockouts Champion, because exactly. she's infinitely better than Taya. Oh yeah, but um, she better. comes down, kicks the shit out of. Um, actually, she picks up Alicia Edwards in a gorilla press slams onto the ramp <laughs> like an absolute beast brilliant uh, goes in 
has a bit of a sort of gets a couple of smacks off that doom. She goes for the six one nine. Tessa catches her, set out power bomb, buzzsaw DDT, leaves a lion there, and just walks back. The woman's a hero. The woman is an absolute hero. And then there's a, then there was an odd thing that just flashed up. It was Ace Austin. Okay. Yes, he's the new. He's another new sign. I think he was called Austin Theory and something. Yeah. The promotion, I believe, he's been signed. Similar deal to um, the Canadian. What's his name? I know who you mean, but I can't remember what he's called. Oh, never mind. I'm, I'm sure I'll remember. Carry on. Yeah, but yeah, so it basically just comes up Ace Austin, Ace Austin. He's holding a an Ace card. Um, so yeah, I think he's, well, it just says coming soon. Josh Alexander. Right. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> um, and then another backstage bit, um, Delilah Doom challenges Tessa for a match next week. Apparently that's how it works. Yeah, obviously. So yeah, even though Tessa is supposed to be suspended, that's a good point. That is a good point. How does Cause that I, work? Because because even like Josh Matthews and like Don Callis said, when Tessa came down and beat the shit out of those two, she says, "Well, if Tessa wasn't already sort of banned, she's going to be double banned now." Double banned. <laughs> So yeah, just come and have a match. Um, Fair enough. But it was alright. Um, there's quite a good a bit where it's the um, the partnered up with the NFL alumni charity. Basically, right. they just they just do stuff for charities around the NFL sort of bracket. So it's I'm guessing it's a lot of the legends and the Hall of Famers and stuff like that. Seems to be towards kids, but it's basically they get to meet the wrestlers or the company shows and things like that. So it's pretty cool. That's quite cool. Um, just like a little sort of video on that. Um, and then we went to the Dark Realm. Dark Realm? <laughs> oh, oh yeah, God. with Jim Mitchell. <laughs> oh, I love Jim Mitchell. You need more Jim Mitchell in your life. The, the best thing about it is, it just this scene happened, it was like um, Sue Young and Ali just standing there and sort of Rosemary was behind them in the shadow and you could just see a hand coming out and all you hear is Jim Mitchell go, ah, 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 not so fast. <laughs> <laughs> and he just enters the shot. Like, and I was like, get in. <laughs> Straight away, I was buzzing. Oh, love um, Jim Mitchell. So him and Rosemary have a bit of a sort of conversation and Rosemary was looking every bit like Damon Finn Balor's wife. She had like this big mouth painted on her face, a whole neck and a face with black with all these like sort of markings on it. Yeah. And I was thinking, her and Finn Balor would be a good team. Like the demon. She looked that just like the fantastic. demon. Um but basically it Jim's oh, sorry. Uh Jim Mitchell. Uh he keeps saying he wants Rosemary to take back to him. He keeps mentioning him. Um him? Yeah, exactly. He says, "Oh, like if I took you back to him, it would be the, would be um, the biggest sort of capture we've got, sort of thing." I'm, I'm guessing it's for the stable that Sue Young and Ali's in. I don't know who him, who he is. Um, Intriguing. So he says, "What?" And Rosemary says, "We want Ali." So Jim Mitchell says, "Okay, we'll get our um, dark army." 
you get yours and we'll have a battle. What? So, and he says, if we win, we get you to Rosemary. But if you win, you get Ali. No, no ties. She comes back. So, Davin said when this is going to happen, but it looks like it's going to be some sort of crazy um, Dark Realm So basically what's happening battle. is we're going to have a Hobbit-style battle. Like <laughs> Battle of the Five Armies. Yeah. Oh, fucking ba- mother battle of God. Of the, ba- battle of the Dark Realm. Jesus fucking Christ. I can't wait. <laughs> Can you remember, Garth, a couple of months ago when we said, I wish they did something interesting with Ali. Yeah. I'll be honest, I'm regretting that conversation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fucking hell. I think I'd just prefer her and Kira Hogan cutting really wooden promos. No, I'm, I'm all up for this. I really am. Jesus Christ. If it's anything like what they did at um, was it Bound for Glory. Oh, well, it, well, it was just Resident Evil 2. Yeah. Oh, I'm all for just that. Just a first-person shooter game. Yeah, I love it. I'll take any of that. Of course you fucking do, you lover of chaos. <laughs> so, uh, that I mean, that was an alright skit. Um, and then, it's odd because Taya Valkyrie was on this for literally two minutes, just getting interviewed backstage. And they just says, what do you think about Tessa? And she went, oh, she's a child throwing a temper tantrum. She says, looks like she needs a nap or a cuddle. <laughs> That's basically it. Uh, fair enough. She says, I'm not interested in Tessa. She, she's like, she's done, I'm moving on. And that was it. To be fair, Tyra's okay. beaten her now. So. I mean, I mm. do not see who on earth is going to challenge her. Well, that's maybe a triple threat. Yeah, or maybe Jordan Grace comes into it at some point. Mm, if she's maybe. still there. Yeah, well, yeah. That's... No, she signed She signed a two-year deal? Three-year deal? Is she? I think she signed, she signed a deal, anyway. All right, all right. Plenty of time for her, then. Yeah, exactly. But then we went on to the main event, which was, as always, excellent. LAX versus Lucha Brothers. Cannot go wrong with that team. Cannot go wrong. I mean, I think it only got about 13 minutes. But it was an excellent 13 minutes. It was a totally different match than the last ones as well. Yeah. Um, It was for the tag championships as well. Um, LAX, straight off the gun, just ran up the ramp and just started beating the shit out of um, Lucha Brothers. And they just for this whole match, they went really sort of. Well, Don Callis said they've gone really gangster. They've gone really street. The the sort of they're not really wrestling. They're fighting, um, which gave it a totally different taste. Yeah. Um, and it was really, really just such a good, such a good. They work so well together. Like LAX, for me, from what I'm like seeing now, they're the the most in tandem tag team I think I've seen. Maybe it's bar the young bucks. I mean, I, there's not much I can do to disagree with that, really. Um, they're a fantastic team. Every match that we've seen, I mean, it helps when they're against a team like um, the Lucha Brothers, but they are outstanding. They are yeah. amazing. There's, you know, there's nothing else we can say. Really, they are yeah. a fantastic team. They just, they just obviously work on another level where everything they do, they know the next step that the next one's going to do. Um, a couple of examples, sort of. Um, Santana went for a sort of... He jumped over the rope and he was going to jump onto the middle rope for a moonsault. Yeah. But he jumped, he got got the rope and Phoenix got out of the way. So he just held it down and Ortiz ran, jumped through the hole. And it was just so fluid. Yeah. Um, the, there was, I mean, the crowd were massive. It was, they were so loud for this match. You'd think, like, I, 
I was looking, thinking, have, have the numbers doubled somehow because the crowd was so loud. Um, it was really, really good. Um, there was a good bit where Santana and Pentagon were just trading blows. They're basically just saying, "Come on, hit me." I, I sort of like that sort of stuff because it's and then Pentagon gets hit and he gets knocked to his sort of arse and he over spits. You know when they spit when they get hit, oh. it just goes everywhere. Fucking gross. <laughs> it is. Um, there was a. There was a move that LAX do which always gets a giggle where Santana does a frog splash. And then Ortiz just does that sort of fallen <laughs> yeah. headbutt pin thing. Like a tree like coming down. Like, yeah, like he's just passed out. <laughs> um, but it's just good. It's like, see, like they changed the style so it made it different to the other matches they've had. Yeah. And I think you can only do that when you can tell they enjoy working with each other. Um, Phoenix kicking 10 bells of shit out of Ortiz, kicks him on one point so hard that he knocks his bandana off. Whoa. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, and then we get, um, I mean, you get the, uh, eventually after all the sort of brawling, um, fear factor on Ortiz, Lucha Brothers get the win, um, which, to be honest, going into this and knowing obviously that the Lucha Brothers are going off to All Elite, I thought they might have changed the title here because LEX are really the only tag team that I'm going to match with the belt. Do you think, though, that... I mean, do you think All Elite, they're going to have the monopoly on the Lucha Brothers? I mean, the Lucha Brothers are basically everywhere. They're in every single promotion. Yeah. You know, they wrestle, know. They wrestle fucking... I mean, Pentagon is in a promote... Um, he's in a match with Pac in Liverpool at some point yeah. in the next couple of weeks. He so. must be the most worked... Person next to Will Osprey. Oh, I know. Tell me about it. Um, but yeah, so you know, I imagine there will be, you know, there's there's little things in people's contracts. Hopefully, we will still yeah. have the Lucha Brothers in Impact. Yeah, I mean, they've always said that all Elite isn't going to be anywhere near as intensive as WWE. So hopefully, they sort of let people still keep some of their. I mean, because I would say, in respect of WWE and all Elite. Impact is pretty much an indie compared to them. Oh yeah, definitely. It's not going to hurt harm them unless they get injured. That's the only thing that's going to harm them. But um, yeah, true. But no, it was just just an excellent match. And then, I mean, the the real big big surprise here at the end was um, Conan gets them all in the ring. Uh, Lex extend the hands for the handshake, and the Lucha Brothers just sort of. No, we're not doing it. And they put their hands up in their faces as if to say, no way. So, LEX just attack them, beat them down, rip off their masks, hold them up. Heal LAX, I like it. Yeah. And then Phoenix and Pentagon are lying in the ring without their masks on, trying to cover their faces. So, that's interesting to see where they're going to go with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then that that's it. Show closed. And it was just... Literally, I watched that and I was mouth open, just sort of shit. You text, you text the group and you lost your shit. Yeah, yeah. I was like, they've actually done it on a regular episode of Impact, which I think is, you know, 
Fair enough. I mean, it yeah. builds the heat between them. Obviously, this isn't going to be the last chapter if they've done this. No way. They've unmasked them, and I'm sorry, I, I said to you before we came on air, it's basically the whole once-in-a-lifetime thing. <laughs> you know, it is not going to happen. You know it's not going to happen. Don't lie to us, we're not stupid. <laughs> Um, but even so, it sounds like a really good show. I will say really, now really that your theory about the tag match taking place at the pay-per-view, um, that's been shot down because Impact have literally announced today, literally a couple of minutes ago, that Impact and Cross versus... Sorry, Impact and Cage versus Cross and Moose will be this Friday on Impact. All right, brilliant. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> your theory, out of the window. <laughs> but never mind, right. that's going to be a good match as well. <laughs> Well, oh, good show, though. Really good show. Well, thank you, Impact uh, Impact Consultant Garth. Um, so that leaves <laughs> us with two segments, the first of which is obviously our match of the week. It's been slim pickings, I'll be honest. There's been some decent matches. I mean, again, New Japan really didn't offer too much in the, in the way of matches of the week. Um, Chris has gone with a match from MLW, because apparently all that boy does is watch wrestling. And he's gone for Ray <laughs> Horus versus Aerostar. He said if it was given more time, it would have been something really special. Um, obviously, I don't watch ML, um, MLW. I know you don't. Nope. Um, no. I know a little bit about Ray Horus. I know a little bit about Aerostar. Both really good I, workers. I imagine I the match imagine, is fantastic. Yeah, I can imagine the title match. And having seen Aerostar just last week, was it? On the uh, Impact Mexico tapings. Of course, he was yeah. part of Team AAA. Yeah, I can imagine how good that was. Yeah, and it takes a lot to get Chris excited about matches. Um, mm. I mean, <laughs> he texts me saying that he was basically splurging over the fact that the main event of the anniversary show was Osprey versus Switchblade. So, you know, mm. it takes a lot to get him excited. Um, what are you going for for your match of the week, Garth? Uh, I was torn between two, and one of them was a WWE match. Really? But... Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with. It seems like a cop out because it's always good, like the LAX match. I knew you'd go for that. <laughs> you um, go for that. It just seems like a cop out. Um, I'll go with that, but I'll give an honourable mention to the Alistair Black versus Almas. Very good match. Match because that was really, really. It really was good. a really good match, and to be honest, I mean, you say it's a cop out. You didn't go for. LAX versus um, Lucha Brothers last time. You went for Taya versus Tessa. Yeah. Tessa. So, you know, I know that wasn't an option, but even so. Um, I'm I'm with you. There was two matches really that swung that could have gone. They're both WWE matches, actually, weirdly, this week. Uh, for me, it was a choice between Alistair Black and Andrade. Sorry. Um, partly because Alistair Black's match against Elias was such a crock of shit. Um, that to then having gone to SmackDown and have this fantastic match with Andrade just it, it settled my nerves slightly. Yeah. Um, and then my other match was Gargano versus the Velveteen Dream mm-hmm. from NXT for the NXT North American Championship. I am going to go for Andrade versus Alistair Black. The yeah. reason was um, the Dream versus Gargano match is a fantastic match. Definitely go and seek it out. This match was very very crisp. Yeah. It was a match where they both had clearly worked together. There were spots where Alistair Black was... In NXT, he will do the the spot with the moonsault off the ropes. And you'll yeah. go, why have you done that? But here, it looked brilliant. As he goes for the ropes, literally, Andrade just dumps him over the top of the ropes. He <laughs> he wrestles like a true heel. And he is brilliant. 
I mean, I hope, I really do hope that they do stuff with Andrade because he's a fantastic wrestler. I mean, they have done stuff with him. They've taken away his last name. But, you know, I hope they do more with him than that. And it's my match of the week. It's a fantastic match. The fact that Zelina Vega had to watch the person she manages against her husband was quite entertaining as well and watch the dynamic there. Um, But this match, definitely my match of the week. Definitely. The thing with Andrade is they've got a ready-made... He's got a manager. So... He can work that dynamic in. And he's he's one of the best wrestlers on that in WWE, like pure wrestler. Yeah, I agree. And Zelina Vega is a fantastic mouthpiece. Yeah. And, and she's a good wrestler. Yeah, absolutely. If you leave all the talking to Zelina Vega and you actually let Andrade wrestle, if you let, basically let him be, and I know this is a ridiculous thing that we keep saying about every NXT star that comes up, if you let him be NXT Andrade. Yeah fantastic people will get behind him because he will be the next latin american star and i know we've said that about we've said that about everyone we said that about Kalisto. we said that about sin cara you know we said that about Rey mysterio obviously you know he was the last really really big one um you know we've said it about del rio you know we've said it about basically everyone but andrade has got the charisma she could be the sort of she's so queen sherry-ish she is she's so sherry martel and she, she could be her sherry to the Macho King when he was heel. Oh, that's a parallel I never would have imagined. But yeah, you're absolutely spot on with that. Absolutely spot on. Um, so those are our match of the week, which brings us to our last segment. Now, this is a brand new segment. Now, Garth was originally going to suggest this just up until WrestleMania. But I quite like it as a segment. And because Garth, and I don't know if any of you know this, but Garth is a lot older than me or Chris. <laughs> <laughs> and therefore has a, basically a little safe in his head of lovely nuggets of wrestling. And so what we're going to do is, and Garth, please tell me if I've got this wrong. The <laughs> idea is that myself, Chris and Garth will each suggest a match to watch. We will go away, we'll watch that match over the week, and then we'll give our reviews and star ratings of those three matches in the next episode. Is that right, Garth? Yeah. Right. Specifically WrestleMania matches. Up until WrestleMania, which again is six weeks away, we are going to be looking specifically at WrestleMania matches. Now, we've all gone very, very different matches, which is quite entertaining. Um, Now... Chris, I'll go. I'll tell you Chris's first. He's gone for WrestleMania 24, and he's gone for the match between The Undertaker and Edge, which yep. is a match I've never seen, so I'm quite happy about that. I've seen parts of WrestleMania 24, never seen that match, so quite excited about that. Obviously, the prelude to him, Undertaker's matches with HBK at 25 and 26. Yep. Garth, tell us a little bit about your choice. I've gone for the British Bulldogs versus a heel... Heart Foundation, WrestleMania 3. A little part of me is very excited at the premise of this. Now it's a it's a really it's a it's a really good match and it's just before sort of Brett got his sort of real solo push. Hmm. Um and he is the star of the show. Obviously any match that they have with the British Bulldogs is gonna be good anyway. Yeah. Um but there's a little bit of added sort of spice with the there's a sort of um, hokey referee involved uh, because leading up to that, there'd been um, like, a, I can't remember if the bad decision was, I can't remember what it was, but the re- the, the hokey referee's involved anyway because um, it turned out that he was 
corrupt. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, so he's involved with the Heart Foundation, and that's just a really, really good match. And it's it's one where it's one of the the few WWE pay-per-views where you get to see um, Dynamite Kid in his prime. Well, that's the thing. I mean, there's two reasons I'm very excited about this. For a start, I've never seen WrestleMania three, <laughs> which is baffling. I've seen the Savage versus that's a lie. I've seen the Savage Steamboat match. Yeah. Um, and I've obviously seen, you know, everyone's seen the body slam from Hogan. Um, but it's going to be, I'm, I'm going to watch the entire WrestleMania 3 just because it's an opportunity to watch WrestleMania 3. Yeah. But not only that, but it's, I've never seen Dynamite Kid wrestle in the WWE. I've seen him wrestle um, some fantastic yeah. matches against Tiger Mask, but I've never seen him wrestle in the WWE. So the chance to see him wrestle yeah. in the WWE, or the WWF as it was then, I should say, I'm very, very excited about that. I'm very excited. Now, I've gone a similar vein. I've gone for Hogan versus Warrior yep. from WrestleMania 6. <laughs> now, the reason I've gone for this, there's a couple of reasons. I said to you before we went on, I've just started listening to the Something to Wrestle With podcast from um, Conrad and Bruce Pritchard. And one of the things that they've started, one of the podcasts they've done is about WrestleMania 6. And it's just really interesting to hear about all the backstage bits and things like that. But obviously, this was the first time that they started to try and move away from Hulk Hogan. Um, and, you know, they they put the belt on Warrior. Um, yeah. And then Warrior didn't draw, and then we had to bring Hogan back. But that's beside <laughs> the point. Um, the whole idea of, you know, the power of the Warrior against Hulkamania, and just it's that champion entire... Versus champion, isn't it? Exactly, champion versus champion, and that whole clashing of the Goliaths. I just think it's it's a WrestleMania moment. It's one of those where no matter how bad the in-ring style is, because let's face it, it's no Flair Steamboat. Um, <laughs> the whole idea of this is fantastic. This is this is a WrestleMania match. This is a large, two larger than life characters, basically just being larger than life. I mean, the idea of Warriors' ridiculously nonsensical promos against Hogan's brothers. You know, it's it's going to be fantastic. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It's one I've never seen again. It's just one I've always wanted to see. So, yeah, brilliant. I'll look forward to watching that again. And there we are, ladies and gentlemen. A long podcast, considering we didn't have Chris, the massive tangent that is. It was only me and Garth, but we've gone nearly two hours. I apologise for that. Um, but thank you for listening. Um, we really do appreciate it. If you can, leave us a rating. Check us out on any podcast platform, where it's iTunes, Podcast Addict, CastBox, you know, Stitcher, Podbean, anywhere you can find us. Subscribe, leave a five-star review. It helps us massively. Thank you to those people that already have. It means a lot to us. Um, you can find us on Twitter at, at Podmania. You can find us on Facebook at, at Podmania Podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube channel um, at the at Real Podmania. Same with Instagram. Find us on all those platforms. Um, you can follow me at, at Real Rob Goodwin. Uh, Garth, where can they find you? Uh, at Drummer Jackson. Chris O'Brien needs to change his, um, but at the moment <laughs> it is Young Lion CXT. So please go and follow us, tell us we're wrong, moan at us, do whatever you want. We're more than happy to engage with you people. Thank you so much for listening, guys, and we will talk to you guys again next week. You've been listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Podmania, Facebook at Podmania Podcasts, and YouTube and Instagram at RealPodmania. And check out the website, podmania.co.uk. Until next time, wrestling fans. Podmania.